This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone. Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with fingers crossed everybody knows the war is over everybody knows the good guys lost everybody knows the fight was fixed the poor stay poor the rich get rich that's how it goes everybody knows Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Ah, the Christmas spirit. It lives. It lives in this broadcaster. I am probably more excited about uh, this uh, Christmas than I have been in 25, 30 years, perhaps, because we have uh, uh, twins, three-year-olds. Uh, North and Zach, and this is the first year they really uh, understand it. They get it. The whole St. Nicholas coming down the chimney, presents in the socks and the, under the tree, and uh, we actually put up our tree. Uh, they were so excited we put up our tree uh, in August. And actually, it was the, the end of November. I've never had a tree up this early. And uh, we have two trees. We have, our, um, we have a, a nice eight-foot uh, tree, spruce, uh, I think it's a blue spruce by the uh, the stairs, and then up in the uh, the second floor, there's a little like a little loft or a library, and uh, the little guys, North and Zach, have their own little tree up there, and they get to decorate that, and they just basically stand back and throw stuff at the tree, you know, balls and and tinsel and whatever sticks, you know, there it is. One half of the tree, the top half, actually blinks the lights. Uh, and then the other half of the tree, for some reason, it doesn't blink. So it's sort of a Charlie Brown uh, Christmas uh, tree, but it's beautiful, and they love it, and they're very excited. Now, uh, that aside, you know you're having—this has actually just happened to me. I swear uh, this is the truth. Uh, you know you're having a bad day when you send yourself an email. I actually sent myself an email a moment ago because uh, rather than actually writing myself notes or stick it, uh, stick it notes and sticking it everywhere, I just send myself an email to remind myself about something. So I sent myself an email and I went to check to see where it was. It wasn't in my inbox. It was in my spam. I'm actually sending myself spam. That is not a good sign, ladies and gentlemen. When my own email account recognizes me as spam... <laughs> 
<laughs> what can I tell you? Anyway, I can't make this stuff up. Welcome to the program, uh, by the way, from uh, Thunder Bay all the way to the Carolinas and from Maine to Minnesota. And we're happy to have you aboard The Conspiracy Show for Sunday, December the 13th. Uh, a programming note, we, uh, I was supposed to speak with um, a gentleman uh, who was going to talk about Project Pegasus. He was going to talk about the, the history of teleportation and travel, uh, time travel, rather, teleportation and time travel in the, uh, the United States. And uh, he is, in fact, uh, the team leader of Project Pegasus, Andrew, Andrew uh, Basiago. And uh, we have a, a late sort of scratch, if you will, uh, over the weekend. Andrew uh, got in, uh, in touch and uh, has developed a bad case of laryngitis. So we're going to reschedule, Andrew, for the 27th of December. I will be live uh, doing this program next week and the 27th, all right through the holidays, every Sunday night. Uh, and so we'll talk teleportation and time travel with Andrew, Andrew Basiago on Sunday, the 27th. Next week, we'll do sort of a Christmas-themed show. Pastor Harry will be along uh, to talk about why Santa is Satan. <laughs> uh, little kitties listening, you might want to exit the room for that one. <laughs> Santa equals Satan, according to uh, the good Pastor Harry. And we'll also talk about some of the unknown, um, maybe heretofore, never-before-heard never before uh, mysteries of Christmas. Uh, with uh, Dr. Glenn Kimball. Now, uh, standing in for uh, Andrew uh, tonight, and we're, I'm very delighted to have him uh, back on the program. It's been too long. He is a, a futurist and author of Exopolitics, Politics, Government, and Law in the Universe, which founded the field of exopolitics, the science of relations between intelligent civilizations in the universe, Exopolitics includes a case study of human contact with an advanced civilization on Mars. He is the international director of the Institute for Cooperation in Space, which is educating about a space preservation treaty to transform the war economy into a sustainable cooperative space exploration society. He's chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society the website projectmars.net, which is spearheading the international effort to research, disclose, and educate the public about life on Mars. He's proposed a truth amnesty process to facilitate the release of the advanced ET-derived new energy technologies that can be used to create a sustainable, peaceful space-age society. He's a graduate of Yale University and Yale Law School in international law and was a Fulbright Scholar in International Economic Integration in Uruguay, he's taught economics at Yale, constitutional law at the University of Texas. Just goes on and on. I, I tell you, he's uh, a very accomplished individual, to say the least, and uh, I'm happy to uh, welcome back to the program after a, uh, a long absence, Alfred Weber. Alfred, how are you? Yes, yes, just just fine, Richard, and I, I, I certainly want to wish you and, and your family season's greetings. And uh, a Merry Christmas and, uh, and uh, Happy Holidays to you. And, and thank you for, uh, for stepping in to, uh, for your colleague, uh, Andrew. 
uh, last minute. How is uh, Andrew, by the way? Any updates? I know he's good. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, he, he, he said that, that um, uh, by, by the 27th, he'll, he'll, he'll have his, his, his voice back. And, and so I'm sure that, that, that you'll have a, a great show then. Terrific. And, uh, and we, I know you're familiar with Andrew's work and his uh, work with Project Pegasus, but we'll, we'll leave the, the discussion of uh, teleportation and time travel um, with Andrew. But uh, right. you're, um, in your capacity with the, uh, your chairman of the, uh, the Mars Anomaly Research Society, and, and, and I'm happy that you're with us because uh, I've been hoping to ask someone about this for quite a while. Uh, and this is going back uh, several months, uh, perhaps even close to a year now, when uh, Buzz Aldrin, and I think he was being interviewed on MSNBC, uh, astronaut Apollo astronaut Buzz Aldrin, um, just sort of threw this out there, and uh, there wasn't a great deal of response uh, from, the, from, the, uh, from the media, but he mentioned the existence of an obelisk on one of Mars' moons. Now, when one says obelisk, uh, that's a geometric uh, formation. It's not something I believe, uh, I'm inclined to believe, is, is, is uh, formed by nature. It sounds like he was referring to a, a, a man-made or a, a humanoid-made object on one of Mars' moons, and nobody really picked it up, picked up and ran with it. But what can you tell us uh, uh, about what Buzz Aldrin might have been referring to? Well, there's there's a long history. Uh, first, ju- just just a bit about uh, Buzz. Um, he, of course, was one of the original Apollo eleven astronauts in in uh, who in who in 1969 were um, uh, the first to land on the moon. Although there's some uh, some some research now saying that 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 project at least part of the part of the reporting back of of the project was actually uh, faked. Um, but uh, certainly uh, we we have records of of Aldrin uh, not on the public channels back in 1969. Reporting that when the Apollo 11 lander was landing on on the moon, he reported the existence of two large spacecraft. One would have to assume that they're extraterrestrial spacecraft, but there were two large spacecraft on the rim of the crater where the Apollo lander was um, landing, and and so he over the years. Uh, has not uh, uh, has been out has been outspoken about the existence of um, extraterrestrials in the in in the solar system. Now, um, the uh, of course Arthur C. Clarke's novel and subsequent uh, motion picture science fiction motion picture two thousand and one was built around, or in terms of the start-off point, an, an intelligently driven obelisk found on 
the moon, which apparently had been implanted there by an in, by an, in, an an intelligent civilization. Um, as it turns out, we have quite a bit of history uh, with regard to possible in, intelligent civilizations using Phobos as a base, and that is that in the late 1980s, um, in fact, in, in in the early 1990s, a, a woman, uh, a Soviet woman cosmonaut, came on tour to uh, North America and showed some photographs of an extraterrestrial craft taking off from Phobos and coming out to shoot down one of the Soviet Phobos-bound probes. Uh, and you could see that clearly. Uh, so... Uh, we we have, uh, as early as 1993, photographic evidence from the um, official Soviet cosmonauts that Phobos is apparently inhabited by some intelligent uh, extraterrestrial race and uh, who um, um, warned off and, in fact, shot down uh, a... Um, one of the early Soviet Phobos probes. Now, that, of course, did not happen to the later NASA Mars landers, uh, Spirit and Challenger, that uh, went up in the early years of this century, around 2004 and 2005. They were allowed to land on Mars without incident. Alfred Weber is uh, my guest here on The Conspiracy Show, AM 740, and uh, he is the chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, www.projectmars.net. Get on board. Questions and comments, 416-360-0740, Back with more in a moment. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now, 416-360-0740, or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. The last half hour of the show will be open lines. We'll do some spine-tingling tales, and you can weigh in on anything conspiratorial, paranormal. That's the last half hour of the program. Right now, Alfred Weber is with us for 90 minutes, give or take. The chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, projectmars.net, the website, futurist and author of Exopolitics, Politics, Government, and Law in the Universe. And uh, you mentioned the uh, the uh, Mars Reconnaissance uh, Orbiters, uh, Spirit, uh, and its uh, its twin, Opportunity. Uh, and they, yes, right. they are beginning to show their age. They uh, Originally, they were, um, it was an intended 90-day mission, and here we are five years and counting, but um, the latest report from uh, NASA is that uh, Spirit apparently now has two broken power wheels, and the space agency's scientists are facing the unenviable task of trying to get the stuck spacecraft out of the mud before the Martian winter freezes. Uh, sets in. 
Uh, now, what do you, would you then suggest, uh, Alfred, not to put words in your mouth, but given the information you've given us about uh, uh, Phobos and, and sightings of, of craft and so forth, that the entire NASA uh, reconnaissance uh, orbiter program has been window dressing? Uh, I would say that we, it's a much more complex, um, it's a much more complex situation than that. And um, just to provide an historical pers- per- pers- perspective on it, um, in our modern age, it was Nikola Tesla that first started scientific communication with an apparent um, uh, intelligent civilization on Mars uh, in, in um, 1901. And th- this was reported on the front page of the New York Times in January, January 18th of, of 1901. Uh, the uh, Lowell Observatory reported seeing a 70-minute flash of light coming from Mars. And... Uh, thought that it was intelligently guided. And so uh, in the following year, Tesla built a Tesla device on the top of Pikes Peak in Colorado and began a series of interactive communications and, in fact, did achieve, apparently, interactive communication with an intelligent civilization on Mars, which he reported um, to the scientific and public community at, at the time. So that um, uh, Tesla was probably the first exopolitical scientist of the modern era um, to uh, engage in this type of interaction. Now, if we fast forward uh, to to this year, um, this year we were able to report, uh, and people can go to my column at examiner.com for for the articles that we um, we had two two whistleblowers who independently. Uh, reported teleporting to Mars and meeting with Martian extraterrestrials. Uh, the first was uh, Arthur Neumann, Mr. Arthur Neumann, who's a scientist uh, formerly in the employer. Actually, he showed me papers that uh, they, they consider that to be a lifelong uh, uh, employment that even though he has tried to quit, they're not going to let him. And on July 25th, 2009, in Barcelona, Spain, at the Exopolitics uh, Conference, uh, he got on the stage and talked about uh, there being life on Mars and their basis on Mars and his having been there. Uh, um, And his... Later on in a one-hour interview that I had with him and um, Bob Dean, which you can get on on the Internet, Arthur Neumann talks about having gone to Mars for meetings, project meetings that included U.S. scientists and 
representatives of of extraterrestrial civilizations. He went to Mars. Projects. He went to Mars. Oh yeah, and and these so excuse are, me, Alfred, but you're suggesting then that uh, that that we already have uh, human colonies on Mars, yes. even as even as um, uh, President Bar- Barack Obama uh, talks about in the future tense, you know, we will go to Mars, we must go to Mars. You're saying we, we're already there, we already have, we already have colonies. Yes, yes. And, and uh, what, what Mr. Neumann said uh, was that he teleported to Mars for project meetings with joint project meetings between the human scientists, the the U.S. scientists, and extraterrestrial scientists who were working on the same project. This was like teleporting for a project meeting there, and that there are U.S. bases. Now, uh, there have been various estimates of 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 the U.S. bases. Uh, uh, some have said that they're up to over 600,000 U.S. personnel on Mars. I doubt that there are that many. However, and this is not really to to um, to uh, um, get too too far ahead on your subject matter uh, for the appearance with my colleague um, Andrew Bashago on December 27th, but rather in, in his role as with the Mars Anomaly Research Society, where where we both serve as officers, and that is that um, in 1970, um, Andy reports meeting uh, with three Martian astronauts at Curtis Rice Field in the company of his father, who was a uh, kind of a CIA co- contractor. Um, uh, and the three Martian astronauts were there on a liaison uh, visit. And so uh, uh, what we have is a situation where there is an intelligent civilization living under the surface of Mars, uh, which has it's probably about 150 years technologically in advance of our own. That's it? Uh, sorry? That's it? 150 years? I'm surprised by that figure. Uh, well, that I'm, I'm, I'm quoting that, that figure from my own book, uh, Exopolitics, which, um, in, in, in which we reviewed the, um, the then literature in 2005 using the remote viewing data, including U.S. Army remote viewers who had concluded that um, the, the Martian civilization was um, about 150 years in advance of, uh, of our own. Um, we've since done a lot of research and placed in an historical context what the historical and anthropological uh, an archaeological history of the Earth and Mars and both of our civilizations might be. Well, perhaps uh, we can get into that, Alfred, uh, when we come back. Stay where you are. And again, uh, for those of you listening, 
My word, you've just heard what Alfred Weber, chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society has said. There must be questions, there must be comments, and here are the numbers. 416-360-0740. And toll free from just about anywhere, including perhaps Phobos, 1-866-744-740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The website, richardserrett.com. Let me spell the last name. S as in Simon, Y-R-E-T-T, Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T.com. There you can find upcoming show information, past show information, and a a, a previous uh, show archives uh, where you can download and listen to previous shows, uh, secret documents page, a book club, and... Uh, let me also inform you, you can follow me on Twitter. Two whistleblowers independently report teleporting to Mars and meeting Martian extraterrestrials. Two whistleblowers, both formerly involved in secret research and development projects undertaken by U.S. defense agencies, have independently verified their secret teleportation to U.S. bases on Mars and to meeting intelligent Martian extraterrestrial life. Their accounts are now available on the internet. And uh, one of the whistleblowers, Arthur Neumann, who uh, until recently, I understand, referred to himself as Henry Deacon for fear of retaliation, was formerly associated with a U.S. government agency. And at the uh, July 25th, 2009, European Exopolitics Congress in Barcelona, Mr. Neumann publicly stated, quote, there is life on Mars. There are bases on Mars. I have been there. And uh, this information being reiterated tonight on this program, courtesy of Alfred Weber, chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, author of Exopolitics, Politics, Government, and Law in the Universe. Uh, Let me ask you this straight straight out, uh, Alfred. Why are we to believe Henry Neumann? Yes, I think so. Um, uh, he, um, he is a long-standing whistleblower with Project Camelot. Uh, they have uh, vetted him. Uh, uh, he, he's undertaking uh, a, number of, a, a number of interviews w- w- with him. I spent uh, probably... Two or three days, uh, not you know, not uh, most of the days w- w- with him. I also uh, questioned him uh, about this during the course of a one-hour uh, interview, which was taped. And uh, I'm I'm also familiar with the uh, details of when my colleague, um, my my colleague and. Andy Bishago, in 1980, twice, once in the company of a CIA officer, uh, Courtney Hunt, uh, teleported from a CIA teleportation uh, facility in El Segundo, California, to a U.S. base on Mars. Uh, and I'm familiar with 
you know, a lot of the details and everything that uh, Mr. Neumann described, which I did not describe to him, uh, was consistent with what uh, Andy talked about. So I think that here we have two cases of two whistleblowers independently coming forth with similar information about uh, Mars being a forward strategic base for the United States, uh, about there being a civilization under the surface of Mars, which has a strategic relationship with the U.S. government of a, of a covert nature, uh, and, um, and, uh, uh, and which uses uh, teleportation as a primary means of transportation from, from Earth to Mars and back. And uh, uh, just a program note that uh, Andrew Bishago will be on this program on December the 27th. He was to join us uh, tonight, but um, uh, pulled up lame, as they say, uh, laryngitis. Uh, and in his stead, we have, uh, and happy to have, the chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, Alfred Weber. Uh, what does, or how does Henry Neumann uh, describe the appearance of uh, of these Martians? Uh, are they are they humanoid? Are they reptilian? What do they look like? Well, um, what what he said is, "quote They're just like us," and um, what and and. Since, since we're talking about Mars, I can, um, you know, uh, what, 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 what Mr. Bashago has said, because he spent uh, a good deal of time in their presence and was more forthcoming about them, um, the Martians, the human Martians living under the surface of Mars are our genetic cousins, and they are, they are humans. There are uh, some differences. The, the males, he, he said, uh, tend to be uh, like us. They're, they're kind of chunky, sort of like, uh, uh, you know, uh, muscular. They're bald. Uh, and uh, uh, they have a very advanced technology in terms of this was 19... 70, and um, he, he described a very advanced ship, a spaceship, which came to Curtis Wright Field and delivered the three astronauts, and he saw it actually take off and go back to, to Mars. Now, um, what, what we've been able to um, put together, and, and let me just say this, that the uh, this is all the the testimony by these two whistleblowers is consistent with what we uh, 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 wrote and surmised in our book Exopolitics, uh, which was written in, in 1999, and uh, the last quarter of which. Is uh, contains an analysis of the civilization living under the surface of Mars, uh, and a profile of the Martians, 
and a plan for public interest diplomacy with the Martians. And sort of the, the best, the, the most plausible case that we can, that can be made at this time, and this is, uh, uh, rests a lot on research which was put together by the author Barbara Han Klaus. She's a colleague of mine who lives here in Vancouver and has written a very excellent book called The Mayan Code, which I hardly recommend to your listeners, um, and in, in which she talks about exopolitics, among other things. And that is, if we look um, at the great solar system catastrophe of 9500 B.C., this was approximately 11,500 years ago, apparently a fragment of the supernova Vela uh, entered into the solar system and uh, uh, caused, uh, collided with the uh, planet Mars, uh, uh, destroyed its surface ecology, left Mars an oblong planet. It's kind of has a crack in it. It's sort of uh, oblong. Also, uh, fragments of it collided with Earth and destroyed uh, our great maritime civilization, which Plato referred to as, quote, Atlantis, uh, which then kind of, you know, uh, all of it was sort of a cataclysmic period, and, and then, quote, our prehistory occurred and our ancient history emerged, and we find ourselves now. Prior, prior to that time, it appears, uh, and this is where the work of the Mars Anomaly Research Society comes in, uh, and the discoveries that, that uh, we've been able to make as a result of the, uh, for the first time, we now have surface ph photographs from the surface of Mars made by the Mars rover spirit, um, most especially. Uh, and that is that there's a good case to be made that prior to the 9500 B.C. solar system catastrophe, Mars and Earth were quite similar and were linked by a common uh, civilization and a common form of government. Are you suggesting that they had uh, teleportation 11,500 years ago, or this... Uh... Well, I, I, I'm not sure what the means of, of uh, transportation were. Uh, um, I, among the artifacts that, that we have found, and people can go to projectmars.net, and there are over 40 documents with images and uh, with textual analysis there that can be downloaded and pursue, perused at your leisure, including a 41-page uh, paper uh, called The Discovery of Life on Mars, having to do with uh, apparent I images of apparent humanoids, animal forms, statues, and structures, both contemporary and ancient, that is, pre-9500 uh, pre B.C., 
that and these images are contained in very large panoramic photos taken by the NASA rover Spirit in 2007. And by going inside of these photos with a, um, a, um, a very simple laptop computer photo enhancer pr- pr- program, you can go into the, to the JPEG, to the image, and um, isolate portions of it, enlarge it, and begin to see the, the, uh, the images of, um, of different species of, of humanoids, animals, different types of structures. Alfred, the, uh, the, the, the humanoid face um, on uh, uh, Mars, in Sidonia, Right. Uh, that 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 bears a striking resemblance to the the giant heads on Easter Island, and I believe right. that first came to our attention uh, vis-a-vis the the Viking uh, orbiters back in the late '60s, did it not? Right, right. What's the? Uh, let me let me take a time out here, and when we come back, maybe you can explain uh, what is, if any, the connection between the that uh, formation in Sidonia on Mars and the, the, uh, perhaps the Easter Island heads. And then I want to ask you about the current UFO phenomena here. We're seeing these uh, enormous craft, sometimes described as being a mile in, uh, in uh, width or length. Whether the Mars civilization is responsible for those as well. And what to make of the abduction phenomena. Who's responsible for that? Alfred Weber, my guest, chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society. Back with more. Don't go away. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. From Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740. In the northern hemisphere of Mars, in a transitional zone between the heavily cratered regions to the south and relatively smooth plains to the north, lies an area called Sidonia. And part of the Sidonia region, uh, taken by a, a photo of uh, part of the Sidonia region, which was taken by the Viking 1 orbiter and released by NASA back in July of 1976, um, we see the famous face on Mars. And I'm sure most of, uh, of you listening have, have, have seen that. Uh, NASA has attempted to explain it away that it's uh, a trick of the eye, it's simply the angle in which the photograph was taken, in other photographs taken at uh, other angles that, uh, that, that, it no lo- that image no longer re- resembles a human face, etc. But uh, still, there it is, and uh, many have, have uh, drawn compar- comparisons to the enormous heads on, uh, on Easter Island. Uh, Alfred Weber, a chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, weigh in on that. What, what are your thoughts? Sure. 
sure. Uh, yes, th- this this was probably the the uh, first find. Uh, of course, we there there was a scientist who who calculated that that the odds of that not being artificial were one billion billion to one. Uh, and and so um, that is uh, uh, what we can now, uh, given the treasure trove of images that we have received from the Mars rover Spirit, which has surface photography. The, the, the face on Mars is satellite. And uh, what the face on Mars appears to be is uh, another example of the um, uh, monumental public sculptures, public art that the that the uh, Martian civilization engages in, and uh, uh, this this was confirmed. Uh, when we were able to get the the NASA rover Spirit photographs, which were taken at surface height, uh, not at, at uh, orbit, but rather down at the height of three feet or so from the surface of Mars. And um, there we were able to take from these enormous panoramas uh, to uh, two notable photographs. One is NASA PIA 10214. The, these are the numbers that NASA assigns to them. And the other is NASA PIA 11049. These were taken in November of 2007 of an, of an area of the Columbia Basin on Mars that would be about the latitude of Columbus, Ohio, and and um, um, in them, what we see is a large variety of public sculptures. If if you're able, once you're able to go to to download uh, the the 41 page paper and a lot of the other documents, you will see. Photographs, in fact, of uh, standing public sculptures that resemble the Easter Island heads. Uh, And um, uh, some of them appear to be pre-9500 B.C., that is, more ancient artifacts. Uh, For example, uh, there are a number of artifacts like the sarcophagus of a king, uh, where the head of the sarcophagus uh, is in the form of an Egyptian king with the type of hat that uh, the bust of Nefertiti found in 1913 has. Uh, other artifacts are of a more contemporary nature. For, for example, a large agricultural shed next to a field that's being tilled with a pipeline with running water com- coming out of it into a large tub. So what appears to be the, the, the case um, 
is that Mars has a complex ecology. Um, under the surface of Mars, there lives a civilization, uh, uh, an intelligent civilization. We we have, uh, and this is in the Examiner article that you just referred to, we have now infrared photos um, by uh, Soviet spacecraft that have given the heat signature of a city under the surface of Mars that's about the size of Chicago. Let me ask you about uh, why yeah. the, the the Martians would have elected to uh, build underneath the uh, the surface of the planet. Why, given the fact they have uh, about 150 years on us in terms of their technology, why wouldn't they simply have elected to terraform the planet and, and, and create a new atmosphere? Um, that's an historical question that uh, probably the uh, secret government here in the United States and in North America and the world know if they have a strategic li- li- liaison with the M- Martians and that as soon as we can get to an open history and relationship with the Martians, we will also know. Uh, Mars, uh, our organization, was uh, after we published our, our uh, findings, uh, we were telephoned by, 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 by Virginia Olds, uh, who is a lifelong CIA employee, uh, daughter of Glenn Olds, uh, a, a university, per, a prominent uni- university president, back in the uh, back in the 70s, uh, uh, to to state that our thesis was correct that there is a civilization living under the surface of Mars. All right, Alfred, hold on. We'll get to some calls as well when we come back. Are you good for that? Yeah, sure. Terrific. Life on Mars, proof positive? You tell me. 416-360-0740, Don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. If you're thinking of a career in a talk radio or talk TV for that matter, but you're not sure if it's right for you, I'll be offering a 39-hour course through the Toronto Media and Film College here in Toronto beginning in January of 2010. Talk the talk with... Yours truly, and uh, for more information, you can go to www.richardserrett.com, S-Y-R-E-T-T dot com. And I was uh, to appear on the Michael Corrin Show on December the 10th uh, as part of a panel on uh, global warming, and that has been rescheduled uh, for January the 5th. So look for me on uh, CTS. That's uh, Channel 9 here in Toronto, but uh, check local listings uh, uh, for the... uh, the number on the dial where you are, but January the 5th on the Michael Corrin Show, which airs 6 p.m. Eastern, and we'll uh, discuss uh, global warming. Right now, Alfred Weber, my guest, the uh, chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, projectmars.net, the website. And let's go to the phones and uh, welcome Paul in Oshawa, Ontario. Hello, Paul. Hi, how are you tonight? Well, thank you. Thank you for taking the call. Great show. Thank you. Hi, Alfred. How are you today? 
Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Alfred. It's it's very amazing the information you're bringing forward in teleportation from Mars. Uh, uh, my question would be: If in fact this is happening, is this happening in other planets in the solar system and abroad, outside the solar system? That's a key question, and that gets to uh, uh, that that gets to why we are trying to move for extra terrestrial disclosure as quickly as we can because the issue is 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 the united states and kind of the global government which is now establishing a forward base on mars are they doing that for purposes of colonization and military expansion out into the solar system and beyond it appears that that may be the case because we also have evidence that the black budget economy has developed and is funding uh, a sort of an anti-gravitic craft space fleet, uh, and that uh, UFO researcher Gary McKinnon, who's now in the final stages of being extradited from the UK to the United States, uh, they're they're trying to get him on a 70 to 80 year prison sentence on what the Home Office had originally given him was just, uh, uh, you know, a, a house, uh, you know, six, six months of uh, a, a house and community service. He discovered uh, in um, uh, U.S. military computers rosters of non-terrestrial officers. So... Um, uh, we suspect that... Just a second, Alfred. Sorry, US, to, sorry yeah, to interject. Sure. When you say non-terrestrial officers, just spell that out for us. What are you talking about? Yeah, sure. These are, these are uh, U.S. And, and perhaps other na- national uh, uh, military officers who are assigned to a space, uh, in, our, in our MANA space fleets that uh, operate... In, in the solar system and, in, and out in the galaxy and in, in outer space rather than on the Earth. And that this is where the bulk of the black budget goes and uh, that, that, um, that uh, uh, this kind of world government is really about uh, military occupation and expansion and colonization of the solar system and beyond. And, and that that's what we're really talking about here. So we at Mars, what we're proposing is, is twofold. Number one, uh, um, we now have the scientific proof through the NASA photos and through whistleblower testimony that there, there is a peaceful civilization on Mars uh, and that, that there's a fragile e- ecology of extraordinary species on the surface of Mars, and we're proposing a treaty uh, for environmental protection of of Mars uh, that it that uh, be, before it it uh, it is um, colonized by by Earth. Number one, and number two, we um, we believe that the whole issue of of the colonization of the military colonization of the solar system should be put on the public agenda at the UN and, and at other public places 
for debate because that appears to be the agenda that, in fact, is, is happening right now. Paul in Oshawa, thank you for the call. Alfred, if this uh, civilization living under uh, or beneath the surface of Mars is uh, technologically advanced, I don't know if we can uh, extrapolate that they are likewise spiritually advanced, but if, let's for a minute assume that they are, why would they then choose to limit their contact with an elite uh, a group of individuals, some might even say uh, corrupt, uh, here on planet Earth, who are unwilling to share this technology uh, with the the rest of the population that obviously uh, is um, uh, well filled with with need, want. Uh, uh, we have a, a host of, of 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 problems facing this planet. Why would that advanced civilization choose to exclude? 99% of us from the uh, the conversation? That's a key question. And uh, from the research that, 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 that we've done, and a lot of this, again, is set out in my book, uh, Exopolitics, they may be pursuing a multi-track policy. And that is that the Martian civilization is small, but they're highly intelligent and they're highly peaceful. Uh, we don't know the exact nature of their their um, uh, strategic alliance with with the CIA, for example. But it appears to be far different from the Greys and the Reptilians, who uh, have given uh, components of the secret government. Uh, uh, technology in return for rights to do alien abductions, which I think was one of your earlier... Yes. Er, yes. So uh, our guess at this point is that the, the Martians form part of a positive uh, kind of a, a positive federation or group and uh, that are that are trying to move the chessboard forward uh, to the point where Earth stops having these incessant wars. We have 150 wars at any one time on this planet. The Martians would actually like to emigrate to Earth because conditions under the surface of Mars are very difficult and would like to resume an open relationship with Earth as they once had. And the indications are that by, by having an immigration to Earth, which is an open, verdant planet, both the Martians would benefit and Earth people would benefit as well. wonder what Lou Dobbs would have to say about that type of immigration. We'll take a time out. Alfred Weber stays with us. Just a reminder, coming up in about a half an hour, we'll... Uh... Open up the lines. We'll do some spine-tingling tales, ghost stories, and Christmas. Yes, there is a connection, believe it or not. And uh, you can ask me anything as well at that time. But uh, until that time, much still to discuss about life on Mars with the chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, Alfred Weber, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds, 
We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think that the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You ate like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs. In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the sentence I'm speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood. Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers. And brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders. By our kings and queens. Brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes. Live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. This conversation is, it's like a, uh, a buffet and uh, almost, it's like, you know, too much dessert, too much, too much good food here and uh, to choose from. And the, I say that because the information that uh, Alfred Weber is sharing with us tonight, the chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, is uh, it's just coming fast and furious. And I don't know how much of this you're able to digest, uh, but um, it, it's earth-shattering. There's nothing, no, no other way to describe it. A, um, an advanced civilization living beneath the surface of Mars in a, a city about the size of Chicago uh, a whistleblower coming forward at uh, Barcelona Exopolitics Conference there this past summer uh, declaring that he has teleported to Mars for meetings, teleported to a U.S. base on Mars for meetings with Martians. Uh, Alfred, the, um, the current UFO phenomenon, whether we're talking about the, the Phoenix Lights or the, uh, the Stephenville uh, episode, these enormous craft, the size of a box star, hovering silently. Uh, in some cases, the wingspan or the, the the craft described as being a mile wide. Are are is Mar are the Martians responsible for these, or are we talking about something else? That's a very good question. Um, there 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 seems to be a fundamental dividing line between the between the hyperdimensional craft and the more metallic craft and the and the hyperdimensional craft being what um, are are normally called light ships and uh, there are many di- different reports of different reports of light ships um, uh, you, you can see some of them up and on on my artic, on some of the articles I've written at examiner.com. We actually went and filmed some hyperdimensional ships over Vancouver, BC, uh, and these seem to be uh, from hyperdimensional extraterrestrial civilizations. That is the more advanced civilizations that are coming from other dimensions than our own. If we get into 
spacecraft such as the Stephenville spacecraft, for example, for which the uh, Federal Aviation Administration issued, I believe it was a multi-150 to 200-page report uh, where there were over 2 million radar returns on that craft, that craft seemed to be of a more metallic nature. Um, uh, it could almost have been manuf manufactured by uh, uh, a black budget project and have been one of the... Uh, the black budget interplanetary uh, anti-gravitic spacecraft. Uh, we hypothesized specifically that the Stephenville craft of September of January eighth, uh, two thousand and eight, over Stephenville, Texas, which then went on to fly unopposed over the Texas White House. Uh, despite that there were over 20 U.S. Air Force uh, and U.S. military bases in that area, may have been a, um, a black project uh, spacecraft uh, that was on a what we call a PSYOPs mission because it was following that craft that... Um, U.S. Naval Intelligence officer known as Source A surfaced uh, at the United Nations, supposedly saying that he had held secret meetings with over 40 U.N. diplomats to brief them on the extraterrestrial presence. Uh, so uh, uh, this is this is an this is an area in which we have. Multiple actors. We will have um, terrestrial. Uh, we'll have Earth Earth governments that are running clandestine space fleets, masquerading as extraterrestrial craft. Or um, we'll have uh, uh, technologies, uh, electromagnetic. Uh, Technologies uh, trying to masquerade as as extraterrestrial extraterrestrial phenomena. We just published an article yesterday in which two researchers in the, independently came forth, stating that the spiral green lights over Norway the night before Barack Obama's Nobel speech was actually caused by HARP as part of Project Bluebeam, which is a project to use electromagnetic technology as kind of psychological warfare operations to bring in a, help bring in a global new world order. So there's a lot of this kind of mass psychological warfare going on at the same time that a well-intentioned, very large community of uh, advanced extraterrestrial civilizations, both from within our solar system and apparently within our galaxy and perhaps beyond and in other dimensions. Um, uh, there's a NATO report 
that uh, uh, Bob Dean, uh, who had top cosmic clearance, read, and uh, that NATO report concluded that extraterrestrials have been visiting us for thousands of years. They, they have no hostile intent. They're observing us. And he, he, he said that, that the report concluded that there were hundreds of, of the civilizations, and this is top cosmic clearance at NATO. So I think uh, to uh, uh, what, what we've been through uh, uh, since, sorry, uh, what, what, what we've been through since, since, since the end of World War II is probably an, 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 an alliance between uh, negative extraterrestrials, probably uh, the greys and uh, hyperdimensional r- r- reptilians, with a a, uh, a, a kind of a um, a banker Nazi faction on this planet, and that may be rapidly coming to an end. But it is troublesome that they're now trying to replicate this policy of imperialism by attempting to colonize Mars and other planets by the evidence that we're seeing. Alfred, I'm, I'm um, actually um, fascinated that, that you, you would use the term uh, interdimensional because I have uh, long suspected, uh, and again, uh, uh, airing my bias here, coming at uh, this whole UFO thing f- from a, bib- a biblical perspective and interdimensional uh, to me, would include uh, the possibility that uh, at least some of these uh, craft are being piloted by uh, entities from the angelic or demonic realm. Would you be open to that possibility? Sure. And, and in fact, um, the, the, um, I recently, in, in, in November of this year, I, I presented a paper at, a con- at the Science and Spirit Conference in Barcelona, and the title of the paper was Extraterrestrials and the, and the Afterlife, and it was just on that subject. It was science-based and not belief-based uh, in the sense that we took the results of thousands of cases by various Scientists who, using hypnotic regression, have have uh, gone into the memories, uh, the soul memories that people have of not only prior lives but the interlife period. So here you have people reporting back of their interlife period, what actually happens between lives, and. Uh, uh, you might say, well, you know, it's a sample of one or two. No, but these are thousands of cases, and there are regularities, so we get a fairly good uh, 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 um, scientifically replicable uh, report back on what the afterlife looks like. And um, uh, what the afterlife afterlife looks like, and this was actually sort of a breakthrough, connecting extraterrestrial studies with, with afterlife studies, 
is that there is a spiritual realm which can be studied from a scientific standpoint and that and that each of us has an underlying soul or spiritual entity uh, which then from this realm incarnates but it incarnates not only on earth but in many different dimensions and on many different planets in many different dimensions in other words we might not only incarnate here on earth but we that this deeper soul might seek to incarnate on other planets in in our known physical universe comma and also in other dimensions in the known universe which we cannot see through our physical senses at this time all right alfred uh, stay put uh, we'll go back to the phones new jersey awaits when the conspiracy show continues my name is richard Serrett. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Alfred uh, Weber is with us, chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society. And again, the website is www.projectmars.net. We should also point out, or I should also point out, in his uh, very lengthy and impressive resume, but I neglected to mention earlier that uh, Alfred was general counsel to the New York City Environmental Protection Administration, a futurist at Stanford Research Institute, where he directed the proposed 1977 Carter White House extraterrestrial communication study. Who proposed that uh, that White House uh, communication study, and whatever happened to it, Alfred? Sure. Um, we, um, after President Jimmy Carter in the 1976 presidential campaign, uh, campaigned on a promise to open the secret UFO and extraterrestrial files, uh, I, I became subsequently a, a, a futurist at Stanford, um, at, at SRI, and in the spring, uh, after getting their, their, their agreement and a number of the prominent scientists, approached the Carter White House uh, with, a, with a proposal to assemble the first non-military civilian scientific study of extraterrestrial communication in partial fulfillment of his campaign promise. And we had SRI's agreement. We had a number of the prominent scientists on board. We had uh, a number of the federal agencies on board. And um, I, uh, this was, got, got underway in the spring of, of 1977 which was the first uh, uh, year that Carter was in, in, in office. And in October of 1977, uh, the, um, uh, uh, the Stanford Research Institute liaison to the Pentagon, to the Department of Defense, called a high-level meeting at Stanford Research Institute with the, with the administration, and I was called in there, and... Uh, we were notified. He 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 notified them and me that uh, the Department of Defense uh, was notified SRI that if this study went forward, all of SRI's Department of Defense 
contracts would be terminated. And this amounted to Stanford Research, about 25% of Stanford Research Institute's budget, which then was about $100 million. Uh, so this project was terminated. Um, we then surmised uh, that the reason why the project was terminated is because we would have discovered in the course of the project the uh, secret uh, human extraterrestrial liaison programs, which the Department of Defense had ongoing in 1977 with specific extraterrestrial civilizations, which they wanted to keep secret. All right. John in New Jersey, you're on the line with Alfred Weber here on The Conspiracy Show, AM 740. Go ahead, John. Yes, Richard. Uh, thank you for taking my call, and thank you, um, Alfred, for speaking tonight. Sure, John. Uh, two questions. First one, well, um, if there is a civilization on Mars, and this is released to here in the West, to us in the West, to the United States, this would sort of debunk any sort of our, our mythology of Western civilization and, and the Bible. Um, how so, it, John? How so? How so? I mean, this, this is what drives us to uh, church on Sundays, the stories that come out of the Bible. This drives our, our visual images from paintings and music for the last 2,000 years. Um, this is part of our core. Um, if all of a sudden someone tells us, you know, forget about what's in the Bible and Jesus or whatever it is, it's the Nephilim that, you know, provided the seeds, this all of a sudden debunks. This could throw us a big curve. I mean, maybe this is a secret that's going to come out in 2012. I don't, but John, well, yeah. excuse me, Alfred, before you, you jump in, let, let me, me just squeeze in this other question okay. and I'll hang up. Um, Hoagland was speaking several times about um, the Germans having an advanced space program and perhaps they actually landed a, a ship on Mars. Um, before we caught up to this. So uh, that's the second. Uh, is that true? So that would be the second question. John, thank you very much uh, for your your, uh, your comment and your uh, intriguing second question, and um, I hope you'll call again. And, Alfred, before we address the uh, the, the second question about the, sure. the German um, uh, space uh, program, uh, does it necessarily uh, destroy the... Uh, well, he, uh, John described it as Western mythology, but the Vatican recently, uh, the, their observatory uh, the spokesman uh, last year came out with a pronouncement that uh, there's nothing uh, antithetical to, uh, to, to Christian belief system to believe that there is life elsewhere in the universe or that there are ETs. So how would a disclosure, in fact, um, be, uh, how would it impact on, on, on uh, organized religion? You know, and in fact, there's a, there's a very excellent poll which I would recommend to your, to, 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 your, to your audience. The 2002 Roper poll, which asked this question specifically, and uh, uh, you can go to our website, exopolitics.com, and, and you can find it there. Uh, and, it, and it's an in-depth poll, but I'll, I'll just kind of summarize it. Uh, basically, over 85% of those queried who said uh, that if the government were to announce, were to disclose that there is an extraterrestrial presence, what impact uh, would this have on your religious views, your values, you, you know, you've got kind of, kind of values question. 
And the answer was that over 85% were totally congruent with the extraterrestrial presence and that it would have no great impact at all. And that is in complete contradiction to the 1960s era Brookings, Brookings report who said that the humans would panic, and it was probably that image uh, was that kind of fear tactic uh, coming out of the 1953 Robertson panel uh, CIA, which was dictated that all extraterrestrial-related material in media or government has to, or science or academia has to be ridiculed. So all of the the public is well in advance of the stereotypes and um, uh, and um, uh, censorship that that the officialdom has, has has tried to propagate it. And in fact, the Vatican conference was held in the last several weeks, and uh, uh, and in a very uh, I think in a very deep way, one of their spokespersons was on national U.S. TV and said, look, we can't limit the creativity of God, which I thought was a very excellent answer. And that is, uh, there is, there is nothing in any of the major organized, organized religions which says that humanity has a monopoly on God or that God has a monopoly on man. Agreed. And, and quickly, John's uh, a second question had to do with uh, uh, the the Germans, uh, Nazi Germany and uh, their, uh, I guess, the Nazi bell that uh, Joseph Farrell has written about extensively. Uh, sure. Did the Germans have the technology to travel to Mars? Well, um, the, the, they, they well may have, but more importantly is this that once one begins to investigate the 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 secret history of travel by the martians to specific earthly elites in the 1930s forward i mean the the uh the uh delegations scientific and governmental delegations uh are from mars uh, and this is very well documented uh, met in in the 1930s on Earth. There were specific de- delegations with uh, um, with with a with a scientific de- delegation from with the scientific delegation from the Vatican, and which then uh, gathered up scientists from various parts of the world, and they traveled to to Mars. Uh, so there there has been a um, a kind of a cultural exchange, kind of a sub rosa cultural exchange program by the Martians uh, for uh, cultural elites on Earth that has been ongoing predating World War II. All right, let's go to uh, Wisconsin and uh, welcome Bob to the Conspiracy Show. Hello, Bob. Good good morning. Oh, yeah, uh, Rich, uh, I um, have gone to the library and, and looked through books by NASA a Mariner 9 book, and what I did is I went through it with a magnifying glass, and I picked out images that would blow your mind. Now, they're not piles of rock where a guy says, yeah, I see a rabbit there or something. These are carvings 
um, large carvings, I, I had a way to figure it out by some equation that they had in the book, that they, this one was an aquatic animal, almost like a beaver. You could see the wrinkles in his skin, the claws in his feet. And um, I, I had another one there. It looks like a, all a huge uh, cattle, like a uh, cow, like with a, uh, a goat's head on it. And uh, I swear, it looks so real. I, I think it was a, a live animal that I, I picked out of that book. Yeah, also, right. there's, there's this one that a lot of people have seen. Of course, the face on Mars, yeah, that ain't too much. I got better stuff than that. Then, then there's a, this other thing called the Boy Prince. Did you ever hear of that picture? Alfred, the Boy Prince. Uh, yeah. I, I have. I, I, I'm, I'm familiar with the, with, with the animals. But uh, tell, tell me more about the, the Boy Prince. The Boy Prince was the carving on a. Um, I, I don't know if it's on a cliff or what. Looked like it. He's wearing a crown. He has a face of about a oh, I'd say a 16-year-old boy. Okay. Long hair. And this this stuff is not stuff where people yeah, uh, you know yeah. like see a bio, this pile of junk the, and rocks the, and say oh I the, see a goat over there. The, no, no, uh, this isn't the, it. The, These are fantastic carvings. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another, I get got some other carvings also that I've uh, uh, located in these books. Okay, Bob, let uh, Alfred uh, respond to to, to that uh, that uh, rich vein of information that you just provided, Alfred. Sure. Th- 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 thank you, Richard. Um, this is where the Martian culture seems to enjoy public art, uh, or at least the what, what what we would call the pre the pre-9500 B.C. culture. Uh, of course, we, we would have to try and date those particular artifacts to see if they're before the, um, the solar system catastrophe or after. Uh, but there's a rich tradition in the Martian culture of public art. And, and um, uh, this seems to be part of it. They're a very creative culture with a great sense of humor and a great sense of public space. Uh, and uh, NASA now has, uh, is, is providing and fulfilling its, on the one hand, it's fulfilling its legislative mandate under the 1958 Act, which founded it, uh, in terms of providing scientific information about the exploration of the universe to humanity. At the same time, under the mandate of the 1953 C.I.E. Robertson panel, it is attempting to cover up the existence of life on Mars. All right, Alfred, we're going yeah. to leave the discussion there. Thank you so much for this. I look forward uh, to uh, further discussions with you regarding Mars and uh, other things, and I look forward also to uh, my conversation with Andrew Bishago, the uh, the other whistleblower, to talk about time travel and teleportation. And again, uh, Alfred, the website, www.projectmars.net. Alfred, the chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society. Alfred, a great pleasure, and uh, let's talk again soon. Yes, yes. Thank All right. you very much. Thank you. When we come back... Find tingling tales and open lines. When The Conspiracy Show continues, my name is Richard Serrett. You 
want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To get to the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. And this is one of those rare opportunities where I turn the program over to, uh, to you. And for the next 25 minutes or so, uh, we'll just go free form. It's you, me, and the telephone. And uh, anything you'd like to discuss, open lines, anything you'd like to discuss that is of a conspiratorial or paranormal nature. And uh, one of the things that I like to do is uh, uh, take calls. Uh, I call it spine-tingling tales. If you've had an encounter with the unexplained, the paranormal, the supernatural, uh, or something that's just plain weird that you'd like to share, now is a great time to do it. And as we approach uh, Christmas, and we are nicely into the Christmas uh, season, ghost stories, uh, there's a great tradition with, uh, with Christmas and, and ghost stories. Uh, of course, we have the, uh, the immortal uh, Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol. And uh, I, uh, I have seen the, uh, the 1951 production of uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, or Scrooge, uh, starring Alistair Sim, I would say probably no fewer than 150 times. And I could probably, if pressed into service at a party, uh, recite it verbatim. In fact, uh, from time to time, I may break into Alistair Sim. But, <laughs> uh, so we have The Christmas Carol. And, of course, we have, uh, which, uh, which is a tremendous ghost story, of course, visited by three ghosts. And uh, then we have Tim Burton's The Nightmare, the Nightmare Before Christmas. And then uh, going back uh, in, in Celtic times, uh, great uh, a tradition of, um, of, of spirits and ghosts at this time of year, the winter solstice, uh, for example. So uh, talking about ghosts in Christmas, it, 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 not out of place at all. So if you've got a ghost story or another strange uh, encounter, uh, now is the time. Let us uh, go out to uh, Mississauga uh, first off and welcome George. Hello, George. Good morning. Good morning, Richard. Hey there. Well, I'd like to bring up a little point on global warming. Uh, I had uh, Professor Nick Belaskis on my show, Conspiracy Cafe, Thursday night with a very, very interesting CV in his uh, work record. He worked for Environment Canada, and he collected the, uh, the records for our temperatures in Canada in the 1980s, records going back to 1936, and these records were used by the uh, people who participated in getting the Nobel Prize for this global warming hoax. Right. And they made a significant error. Uh, a long time ago, probably where I'm sitting right now, it used to be an open field, and many other places where these monitors are. So they're not recording the, uh, you know, the true temperature. Uh, what happened is urbanization built parking lots, asphalt buildings, and such like that, and changed the data, making it a little warmer than it would have been if there was no urbanization. And data in places that were still open fields showed a decline in the temperature, not an increase. 
And, uh, you know, this is a very, very pertinent point because this data was used in the report that uh, got Al Gore and uh, his uh, associates the Nobel Prize. Well, there, are, there have been errors made, no doubt, George, but then, of course, uh, we, we've, we've learned uh, something that we've, many of us have long suspected but couldn't prove, but we've recently learned via the, uh, these uh, hacked emails out of uh, uh, the Climate Research Unit at Hadley in the UK, that not only were there errors made, but there was a great deal of massaging of data going on. Uh, so, you know, this, to my mind, uh, again, it's very interesting, uh, particularly these uh, these damning uh, emails, uh, should have been the nail in the coffin. Uh, and yet, to, to hear it uh, from the mainstream media, you know, we, we, we had the, the Copenhagen uh, conference, of course, going on uh, starting December the 7th, it's like none of that ever happened, uh, and and the, the mainstream media is still going lock step, lock step with the uh, this whole Al Gore, uh, David Suzuki mantra uh, that the Earth is heating up, and it just isn't so. Quite correct, and they're just using the typical old Goebbels, uh, you know, type of business where you can turn a triangle into a square because they can. And, uh, you know, the only thing is we're sentient human beings, and we don't have to let it be that way. And uh, I guess we're probably, uh, you know, a historical pair here, you and I, your caller, and yourself, as we've both walked on Mars, uh, compliments of Professor Velasquez. Yes. Uh, I, I didn't know that uh, you, um, you did the same thing, George. Good for you. Yes, we are the, the world's first broadcasters to have walked on Mars. And I, I announced that uh, last week, that... Uh, uh, Nick Velasquez uh, from the York University uh, Physics and Astronomy Department has a confirmed Mars fragment in his possession, or York University does. They did chemical analysis on it, and uh, uh, back on uh, November the 21st, I believe it was uh, for me, he uh, he provided me an opportunity to, to actually step on that fragment and then sent me the document uh, in the mail. So well, he actually we, left us the fragment at the studio so uh, we can carry on the... Uh, the tradition, I guess, with uh, with new people at that channel. So ah, that great. was quite nice of them. It's a very expensive uh, thing to leave behind. Well, we are in rare company, George. Um, so thank you for your call, oh, as you. always. Bye-bye. All right. Merry Christmas. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from just about anywhere, Thunder Bay to the Carolinas, Maine to Minnesota, one 740 Speaking of global warming, just let me let me repeat. I had to sent out on Twitter that uh, I was to appear on the Michael Corrin show, which originates uh, not far from here in Toronto, where I sit, uh, the Michael Corrin show, uh, on December the 13th to discuss the global warming uh, swindle. And uh, because of uh, some uh, weather conditions and, and, and so forth, uh, they they had to postpone that show. It's now scheduled for January the 5th. So I will be on Michael's show on CTS, which is Channel 9 here in Toronto, but it's via it's available on satellite, um, I think all across Canada, perhaps North America. And uh, that'll be on January the 5th, 6 p.m. Eastern. I'll be uh, part of a panel on uh, on global warming. I wanted to mention the... Uh, the website, I, um, I've referred you to richardserrett.com, but there is another website I want to mention, and that is theconspiracyshow.com. Theconspiracyshow.com, a website that was built 
uh, in order to promote a television show that um, I'm involved with. And uh, we, um, we shot the pilot episode back in September, and many of you have been uh, emailing and calling and wondering what is the status of that program and where can you see it? Well, it's not available yet, but we are trying to sell the program. Uh, my partners at Starfield Studios and TFC uh, are uh, uh, attempting to sell this worldwide across the English language market in the far-flung corners of the earth. And uh, it's, uh, it's not an easy process, let me tell you, to get a television show, first of all, financed and then, uh, uh, and then sold. Uh, but um, it's very positive and encouraging news that what you're hearing on the radio uh, is going to become, we are quite confident, a television show, uh, a weekly one-hour television show uh, that will be shot at a state-of-the-art high-definition studio not far from here in Scarborough uh, and uh, will be available in uh, the English-language market, perhaps in Japan and Hong Kong and Singapore and uh, perhaps across uh, North America. That is, uh, it's not only, it's not a dream, uh, we have a plan. And uh, it just, television takes a little bit longer uh, sometimes uh, to come around than, um, than, than we'd hope for, or than I'd hope for. But it, it is in the works. It's progressing. Uh, so that's about all I can tell you. But visit theconspiracyshow.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. There's um, uh, email addresses there if you'd like to, uh, to make a comment. And also, if you would be so kind as to uh, visit uh, YouTube... And uh, once you're on YouTube, type in The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. The trailer, if you haven't seen it, for the, uh, the pilot episode, the trailer uh, is available for viewing. Take a look at it and uh, post your, your comments. Uh, but we're getting close. That's what I can tell you right now. We are getting close. All right. On the other side, back to uh, Spine Tingling Tales and uh, Ask Richard Anything as The Conspiracy Show continues. Don't go away. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Just had a call off the air. Gentleman didn't want to go on the air, but um, wondering whether I would um, be interviewing Vijay Sarma on the program anytime soon. Vijay Sarma is, uh, has thrown his hat into the ring for next year's uh, mayoral election here in Toronto, the good. And Vijay Sarma, this is an interesting uh, candidacy because uh, Vijay is, um, from what I understand, a member of the, uh, the Truthers Movement. That would be the 9-11 uh, Truthers Movement. Toronto Truth Seekers. Toronto Truth Seekers. Okay, so you know what? That's a that's an interesting idea. Perhaps I'll uh, I'll get VJ on the show. That'll probably happen in the new year. I will be alive uh, on the uh, on the radio through the uh, the holidays. Uh, next week, the twentieth, December the twentieth, we'll uh, we'll take a look at uh, some Christmas uh, mysteries, sort of the mystery of the original Christmas story. Some things you may not be aware of uh, that happened uh, during the birth of Christ. 
and yes, I know Jesus wasn't born on December the twenty fifth. That uh, that that date, of course, was sort of been co opted. Um, however, we'll uh, we'll get into that as we attempt to uh, put a program together with uh, Glenn Kimball, who is uh, an expert on uh, ancient documents and uh, runs an organization out of the U.S. called the Kimball College. And he has some amazing uh, information uh, about the Bible and, uh, and uh, Jesus and Jesus' missing years and, uh, and so forth, the location of the Garden of Eden and uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. So we'll talk about the Christmas story uh, with Glenn Kimball, we hope, and uh, also uh, the imitable of uh, Pastor Harry, uh, who resides in upstate New York uh, and also online with the Church of Philadelphia Internet. And uh, Pastor Harry have, uh, has been on the show uh, a number of times uh, discussing Bible codes, uh, but he also likes to take a run at Santa Claus, who he says is uh, Satan. Uh, so that'll be interesting. That's uh, next week. And then on the 27th, uh, if you uh, were with us for the uh, previous hour and a half and uh, and heard Alfred Weber talking about uh, Mars, Alfred, the chairman of the Mars Anomaly Research Society, uh, mentioning a couple of uh, whistleblowers who have divulged the uh, the uh, the teleportation program within the United States and the fact that uh, peop- uh, agents have been teleporting to Mars and meeting with Martians. One of those wh- whistleblowers. Henry Neumann uh, spoke at the Barcelona conference, uh, but the second whistleblower uh, will, be, will be with me on this program December the 27th. That's Andrew Bishago. And uh, that will be uh, most interesting, I can assure you. All right, I mentioned uh, uh, ghost stories and Christmas. And very briefly, I, um, I have one personal ghost story. That, that happened to me. I call it a ghost story, but I'm not really sure what I saw, but it happened sort of over the Christmas holiday, so it's sort of apropos. This is going back 23 years ago, shortly after my father passed away on New Year's Eve day, New Year's Eve day, 1986. I was home from uh, university over the Christmas holidays, and um, this was uh, perhaps a day or two after he had been buried, so now we're looking at um, perhaps uh, January 2nd, January 3rd of 1987. Again, I'm home from uh, school for Christmas break and uh, was sleeping in my old bedroom back home in Brantford when uh, in the dead of night and from a deep sleep, I felt, it's a cliche, but it's true, the hackles on the back of my neck stand up, and I felt a chill. And I realized that there was something or someone in my room. And being a basement, uh, a bedroom, it's pitch black down there. I can't see anything. And I'm sleeping facing the wall. The bed is up against the wall. So I roll over and look towards, through the uh, the inky blackness, uh, where the entrance to my bedroom should be. And uh, the house is completely silent. And I see a figure coming through the door towards me. And the strange thing is, I, I used to have an old sweatshirt from uh, 
the University of Victoria that had a, uh, a, a an insignia on the front of the shirt that was sort of a, a glow, sort of glowed in the dark. It was a white insignia, and I saw that on this figure, and I thought, gosh, why is this thing or this person wearing my sweatshirt? That's swear to God, that's the first thing that came out of uh, came to mind. Why is it wearing my sweatshirt? And the only other person in the house at the time was my mother. And so I called out. I said, Mom, what do you, is that you? No answer. And the strange thing is, although I was feeling this chill and the, and the hairs in my arm, is stand, it's all true. All these things that you hear about, you know, when you encounter a ghost, the hackles on the neck and the, and the, the, the hairs on your arm standing up, all true. But I was never afraid. At any point was I afraid. What I was was totally confused. What was this thing coming through the doorway in my room? And uh, I actually rubbed my eyes uh, to get the cobwebs out of my eyes and and took another look. Another cliche, right, from the movie. You do a double take, you rub your eyes. I did all of that. And I'm looking at this thing coming at me, uh, sort of floating towards me, wearing what appeared to be my University of Victoria sweatshirt. So then I... uh, this is 23 years ago, so the details are getting a little sketchy, but I remember then sort of lying back onto my bed and looking straight up into at the ceiling. And the next thing I realize is this thing is hovering directly above me parallel with my body. So its head is in line with my head and its body is stretched uh, sort of lengthways of the bed. And I'm looking up now into the face of this thing and it's me. I'm looking at me. It's my doppelganger. So now I'm totally confused. Keeping in mind, just to repeat, this is several days after my father uh, has been uh, laid to rest, passed away New Year's Eve day, 1986. And a slight caveat, I sh- I'll be uh, totally uh, upfront here. Uh, I was, I, I had to taken a, a, uh, a piece of a, uh, a pill, a small or a, a slight, uh, very mild sedative that the doctor had prescribed, which is normal after a family member dies, uh, to help us sleep. So I just throw that out there for your consideration. If you think, well, you, I, obviously I was some, in some sort of pharmaceutical-induced fog. Except for this. Except for this. You know when you're dreaming, everything might seem entirely real, except there'll be one little detail that's out of place, and then that's how you realize you were dreaming. Well, here's where I, I'm quite certain I wasn't dreaming about this. I looked over to my dresser, which was on my left, beside the bed, to see what time it was because I had a, uh, a, clock, uh, a clock radio, a digital clock radio with the, the, the glowing red numbers, you know. I looked over there to see what time it was and my, cl- my clock wasn't there because I realized, aha, I'm home from Christmas break my clock is at the dorm back at uh, Wilfrid Laurier University. You see? It was too logical. Had I been dreaming, the clock would have been there. That's my one and only ghost story. I, uh, I waved my arms at the specter to see if it was a solid form, and it dissipated. And then, like it was sucked through a straw from a far corner of the room, it just went like that, way up into the corner of the room, and it was gone. And I often wondered whether that was my father uh, coming back to check on me but didn't want to appear 
in his form, so he might frighten me, so he, he, he assumed my appearance. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, 23 years later, I'm, uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but that's my one and only ghost story. There you have it. We'll take one final time out and uh, come back with a few thoughts. Still time for a, a quick call if you've got a spine-tingling tale. Maybe you've had a similar experience. And uh, you can uh, tell me what happened to me. Stay with us. The truth will set you free. But first, it'll really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Just a reminder, you can follow me on Twitter and uh, also on uh, Facebook. It's, uh, I believe, I'm not the administrator of the Facebook uh, 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 site, but I believe it's uh, Fans of the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, but if you go to Facebook and type in uh, Richard Serrett, it'll, uh, it'll pop up. And uh, those are all very important things, I guess, uh, I've been told to be connected to the Twitter and the Facebook. And uh, uh, so there's that for you. Uh, I also want to draw to your attention the uh, the past show archive at richardserrett.com. And again, let me spell the last name rather than leave you guessing because there are uh, an infinite number of uh, possibilities how to spell it. It's S-Y-R-E-T-T, S-Y-R-E-T-T, richardserrett.com. And the past show archive is uh, there. And uh, all the complete shows that I've done here on AM740... And uh, even previous to that, when I did an internet radio uh, program uh, for Glastonbury Radio out of the UK, uh, those shows are available for download as well. Once you go to Past Show Archive, you just click on the date and uh, click on any date, Wednesday, July 29th in this case, and that'll take you to uh, a page where it gives you the actual show description. So on the 29th, when I was with the Glastonbury Radio, who built the, the monolith on Phobos, which we were talking about tonight with Andrew uh, or Alfred Weber. Uh, that was a program we did with uh, good friend Victor Vigiani. And uh, anyway, there you can, uh, you can purchase that show. It's a, a mere dollar fifty, And uh, for a two-hour show, I think that's pretty good value. The proceeds go to maintain the website, which is expensive. I don't have to tell you. So we'll uh, look for you next week as we'll do our, uh, our Christmas special, The Mysteries of uh, the Christmas Story, and uh, Is Santa Satan <laughs> with Pastor Harry? In the meantime, don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. And what I say in the dark, speak in the light, and what you hear in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops, Mo- move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.